Uh, my name is Bob Martin. I'm lead pastor here at St. Paul, and I just want to welcome um, all of you that are joining with us. We are uh, in a series called Fear Less, where we've been talking over the last five weeks about um, how we can look at life and some of the things that trip us up in life, and instead of being fearful, to be fearless as we look at those. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, fear, fearing the future less. And, and I brought a little prop. So when I was a kid growing up, um, I used one of these to predict the future. Anybody else have a magic eight ball? Yeah? Somebody called it an eight ball at the earlier service. I said, no, that's in pool. This is the magic eight ball. So, so do you know how this works? So you ask it a question, and then you turn it over, and then it uh, has a random answer that comes up inside. And it's guaranteed to be truthful and to tell you the future. Should we give it a go this morning? Should we give it a go this morning? Yeah. All right, all right. I see Ted's up back there, okay. So I tell you what, so let's, let's, let's start with something easy. Are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to win another Super Bowl this year? All right? Let's see what it says. It says, my sources say no. Oh, man. You know, at the last service it said, of course. So I don't know. Um, okay, so let's ask something a little bit simpler. So Magic 8-Ball, am I more handsome than George Clooney? Okay, let's see what it says. It says, better not tell you now. All right, let me ask one more. So Magic 8-Ball, will this be the shortest sermon I've ever preached? Everybody's like, yeah, I better say yeah. It says, ask again later. Okay, that's what it said the last one. So, but listen, I, you know, hey, so some of us, we use these little freaky things to teach us the future. Did you know that like reading palms, tarot cards, psychics, all of those things are like really popular and have been popular probably for about the last 20 years, especially as we're kind of looking at life with great uncertainty. And, and many people um, don't know how to look at life. And so they're asking all these individuals to help them to predict the future. So if you think about it, we're constantly predicting the future. If you have any investments, you're investing in something so that in the future it has a high rate of return, right? If you are uh, hoping for or currently drawing Social Security, you're hoping in the future that younger people will start coming in the workforce so that your Social Security benefit will basically be paid your entire life. If you've ever wanted to be in a relationship with someone, Likely, you have been praying that and hoping that in the future, somebody would come and, and be a part of your life. And so we're constantly looking into the future. We're constantly wanting the future. But what happens when what we hope for, what we want, and what we thought we were going to get doesn't happen? Like, uh, did anybody win the lotto last night? See, there was probably some people that were hoping for that. So, so all of a sudden, we start thinking about now we have hoped in the future, we, we've placed some merit into the future, but what we had hoped for isn't happening. Let me, let me kind of put it to you this way. What would you have done if on January 1st of 2020, so January 1st of 2020, somebody would have said to you, a pandemic is coming. You're going to have to live in your house. You're going to have to stay in place. You're going to have to wear a mask if you go outside. Over 250 million people across the world will be infected by this virus. Over 5 million people uh, through September of 2021 will, will die of the virus. I mean, how many of us would have thought that, uh, what if they would have said unemployment is going to be in double digits and the whole economies of the world are going to shut down? We all would have said, you got to be crazy. You're nuts. But isn't that kind of what we've been living in for the last two years? So the future is one of those things that we're just not really sure about. And, and trying to predict the future is one of those things that oftentimes can bring about anxiety and it can bring about great fear. 
because we want to see what the future holds. We want it to be something that's good, and it doesn't always work out that way. Unless, unless you're the kind of person who lives a very consistent life. Maybe you live in a, a life that just you get up in the morning, you check your email, you update your Facebook, you eat breakfast, you go to work or you go to school. After that, you, you, you come home from work or school, you update your Facebook, you check your email, you eat dinner, you check out a movie on Hulu and you go to bed. It's what I call a washing machine life. It's one cycle, right? And so, so that's predictable. Unless you live a predictable lifestyle, then the odds are that you are thinking about or you're concerned about the future. So um, these are the kinds of things that have us concerned about the future. So these are things that are no longer predictable. These are the kinds of things that, that we can no longer predict that give us anxious moments about the future. Here they are, they're gonna come up on the screen. Predictability itself, we can't predict anything anymore. Um, your plans, how many times now do you try to make plans and it's gonna change? And you can't even make plans for the future because something's gonna change that, your income. I mean, we, we think we know what our income should be or can be or will be, but we're not really sure due to the uncertainty of the future. Stability, that's something that calls under the question. We get concerned about our health. We get concerned about health of loved ones, freedom, control. Um, the simple answers about our faith. I mean, I remember the day that people would just say, I believe and I'm a faithful person and, and I love God. And today we've got all this questioning. So it's not even easy anymore to predict simplistic answers to our faith. And look at that last one, short sermons. We can't even predict those anymore. <laughs> so life isn't predictable. But a lot of times we make life something that makes us afraid. We are afraid to face what the future holds. We are afraid of the next thing that's coming. So, so I've discovered whenever we're fearful of the future, I've discovered through my own experiences and through experiences of people that I love, when we become afraid of the future, it's because the circumstance is generating what I call a lack of patience, okay? So I become afraid and I become fearful of the future because lack of patience can stoke fears of the future. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You can have your idea set that an event in your life is going to work a certain way. We plan it out that way. We hope it's that way. We want it that way. And all of a sudden, something changes in that. And because uncertainty comes or unpredictability comes, it like boggles us. And we can, we can all of a sudden say, you know, I have faith in God or God's teaching me patience or all those things that we say in those moments. But impatience actually delivers us a question mark. And that question mark that comes out of impatience is some of us question if God is real. If God is really who God says God is, and, and, and could God really make things happen the way that I thought, and sovereignty and all those things. In fact, what we can find out is impatience about the future, and when future events don't happen the way that we want, and we get impatient waiting for that, or impatient through that, it causes a spiritual crisis. And we see this happening over and over and over. Lack of patience stokes fear for the future because it opens the door to distrusting God. But here's the good news. Over the last two years, you and I, I mean, we have been able to actually read our Bibles. We've been actually able to get into the scriptures. We've been actually to be able to see the people that the Bible talks about. And because of our own circumstances and our own uncertainty of the future, we can now relate better with the people that are in the scriptures. 
We can relate to people in the Bible. When I look at the early church, when I look at the struggles and the challenges that they had, when I look at, you know, even from the time of creation and, and all the challenges and problems that God's people have had since the beginning of time, it says that there's always been uncertainty. And there's always been a challenge. I mean, these are people that, that didn't know where their next meal would come from. We have people today. I don't know where my next meal's coming from. There are people that didn't know where they would live. People today, I don't know where I'm going to live. There were people who were like, I don't know if I'm going to have a vocation. People today, I don't know where I'll work. And so we can relate to the people of Scripture in a greater way. John 14, Jesus finds himself talking to the disciples. I shared a little bit last week on John 14 and Psalm 23. I'm going to use both of those again today because I think that not only is fear of death um, a great fear that we have, but I think that fear of death and fear of the future are probably the top two. So in John 14, um, Jesus is at this point where, where he tells the disciples that he's going to die. And he's reminding them, he's saying, you don't need to fear. You don't need to fear about what's going to happen to me. You don't need to fear about what's going to happen to you. You just need to trust God. You need to trust in me in all these things. And he even said, as we talked about last week, that where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I said this was one of the things that removes our fear of death is because Jesus comes back to get us. And Jesus comes back to take us to the place where he is. But in this, in verse 5, Jesus says, you know the place or you know where I'm going. So he says to them, I've been open about this all along. There's nothing to fear. There's no uncertainties. There's no anxiety that come with this. You just should listen to me. And the time will come in the future that I'm going to leave you. But remember where I'm going, I'm going to bring you with me. So Jesus is having this conversation, trying to help the disciples to understand that, that all of a sudden they don't need to be afraid of the future. They don't need to be afraid when they don't see him anymore. Let me, let me just give you a, um, an example here. It's kind of a weird example, but, but I hope it, it, it kind of connects. So Patty and I had been married about two years, and, and, and I got afraid one day, not afraid that I married her or anything like that, but we had gone to one of those big box stores to do our grocery shopping. And the way that we grocery shop still is that today, um, you know, she'll make a list. And, and usually if I go with her, it's like, give me half the list. And then, you know, I'll go that because, you know, guys, I mean, I'm like bag tag and get it ready. Let's get the heck out of Dodge, right? And uh, Patty likes to meander. She likes to walk around and she likes to look at everything on every aisle and pick up a package and, you know, all this. And I remember we were, we were grocery shopping in one of those big box stores one time. And I had gone in and I had gotten the 50,000 things that were on my list. I'd gotten it done in record time, five minutes. Boom. It's in the cart. I'm going up. I'm ready to check out, but I can't find my wife. I go down to aisle number one, no patty. Aisle number two, no patty. Aisle number three, no patty. Aisle number 56, no patty. Aisle number 103, no patty. Every aisle I go down, she's not there. And I'm beginning to start getting worried. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking all these things in this fear of the unknown, this fear of the future. Well, what's future going to be like without her? And then I started thinking, wait a minute. The rapture, it's happened. They took her and left me. And, and, and so anyway, so, yeah, so sometimes we get fearful of the future. We get fearful of the things that don't happen. But Jesus says to the disciples, he says this, and you know where I'm going he says it. He doesn't say, let me tell you. He says, you know where I'm going. How did they know? Because he had shared that with them time and time and time again. Jesus wanted to make sure when that portion came to looking to the future to be without him, that there would not be any reason for them to be afraid. And he says the same thing to us. 
He's encouraging us. He's moving us in a direction to say that we don't need to be afraid of the future. You know, Thomas then speaks, Lord, we have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus is talking now to Thomas, and he's like, Thomas, wait a minute. And they start having this conversation. Now, what is Thomas saying? Thomas knows where Jesus is going because Jesus has told him enough times, but it's, it's all of a sudden, it's, it's imminent. The future is coming. Where are you going to be? And he begins to question whether Jesus is telling the truth. Thomas is questioning whether God is really going to remain with them or whether they're going to be orphaned in some way uh, toward the future. So here's a couple things to think about. Tom, Thomas is afraid and he's confused because now all those things about coulda, shoulda, woulda, and all those things about what does the future hold and what if and all those what if questions that we have, all those are crashing down upon Thomas. And Jesus says, Thomas, here's the only important thing you need to know. I am the way and the truth and the life. Thomas, don't worry about anything else. Listen to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus, but we, I don't know where you're going. Where are you going? Thomas, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so Thomas then is, is beginning to think this thing through, and Thomas begins to understand, and he begins to wonder and about what life will be like without Jesus. But then all of a sudden, bam, it hits him. And he says, all of that uncertainty of the future I can stand on that promise of what Jesus has just said. So here's what, here's what Thomas discovers. Thomas discovers when we're looking at the future and uncertainty comes and fear sets in that we all have a tendency to ask three questions. We all have a tendency to ask three questions. The first one is, um, where am I going? Or maybe there are statements. I'm not sure where this is going. The future is coming. I'm not sure where this is going. Have you ever had a life situation that is all of a sudden you had planned it out a certain way and a curveball comes and you're thinking about the future and the present you're going I'm not sure where this is going the second thing is I'm not sure what to believe something rocks our future something comes from the future into the present we look at the present we don't know how to predict the future I don't know what to believe anymore that's the second thing that we do here's the third one I'm not even sure um, how to live how am I supposed to live in this condition? How am I supposed to live under these pretenses? How am I supposed to face the future and live this way? Thomas is asking those questions, and those are the same questions that we need to ask. But here's the difference. When you ask those questions about the future, when you ask yourself, um, I'm not sure where this is going, I'm not sure what to believe, I'm not even sure how to live after this, remember what Jesus said. All that's important is to remember this. I am the way and the truth and the life. Just follow me. Let me worry about the future. Let me make things happen for you in the future that will be the kinds of things that will bless you. I used Psalm 23 last week in addition to John 14, and, and I wanted to kind of take the words of the Psalm of David, and I kind of wanted to take those words in John's Gospel of Jesus in the earlier parts of 14, and I wanted to talk to us and, and meld those together today about the future, about what that means. In, in Psalm 23, David writes these words. He says, surely your goodness, he's talking about God, surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
God, surely your goodness and mercy, surely it's going to follow me all the days of my life. David makes that statement, and we need to embrace that. We need to remember whatever the future has us corrupted or whatever the future has us anxious or whatever the future has us fearful, we need to remember what David says, surely God's goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And David makes this profound statement. You see, many of us fear the future, and I think it's because it's, it's, we're not trusting in God enough. There could be a lot of reasons why we're, why we're fearing the future, but I think one of the prevalent ones is, is we're just not trusting God enough, and, and here's why I think we don't trust God enough. We start calculating things in our head, and we say to ourselves, there are 7.9 billion people in the world today. How in the world can God hear my one prayer? When all the noise of everybody crying out to God, how can I be sure that God can hear me, especially when I'm praying for my future? And let me tell you, God is bigger than you give him credit for. God is bigger than you think. In fact, God can 100% hear your prayer in addition to the 7.9 billion prayers that the world's people and population is giving him to every moment. In fact, God's intimacy for you is far greater than you'll ever fathom. We think we know about the love of God. We think we know about the grace of God. We think we know about God's presence in our life. But God knows you better than you know you. God knows everything that there is about you. How do we know that? Here's two pieces of scripture that reminds us. In Jeremiah, the prophet says that, that the Lord reminds us that while you were in your mother's womb, before you were in your mother's womb, I should say, I knew you and I called you and gave you a name. So that says that before your parents decided to conceive you, God knew you. God knew you when you weren't even on anybody's mind. God knew you and called you called you by name. Here's the second thing we know. The scriptures tell us in Matthew's gospel that God knows us as intimately as knowing every hair upon our head. I had one guy at the last service said, well, God must know, you know him less because he was not had so much hair and must know somebody else a lot more. No, it doesn't work that way. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. That's how intimate. If you knew, do you know how many hairs are on your head? I mean, I haven't sat there and counted mine, but God knows. And that's the importance of this whole intimacy of the things that we, that we see within God. God takes care of the birds and the, and the lilies of the valley, and you can better believe it for your future. God's going to take care of you. We don't need to be anxious about what the future says. In fact, it says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, it says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. Quit worrying about tomorrow, Jesus says, or today, for tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. So live in the moment of what God is teaching. Live into the promises of what God is giving. God knows your highs. God knows your nose, your lows. David reminds us the goodness of God follows me all the days of my life. And let's take a look at how that applies to our future. And, and see, God promises that he will work for the good in spite of the challenges that come. Some of us are afraid of the future because we, we think of the bad stuff. Well, this could happen or that could happen. I could make a wrong decision or a health, health crisis could come or I could mess this up or that or the other. But you know what? Um, God doesn't say that we're protected from bad choices or that um, we won't have to live through results of choices that we make. He doesn't say that, that we'll be exempt from that. He doesn't even say that we'll be exempt from things that happen in our life. 
But what he says is, when those things come, I promise you this. I will turn something good out of that which is bad. Now think about that. Think about a time when something really bad happened in your life. And then give it some real thought and say, how did God bring something good into that situation? Maybe a family member reunited. Maybe, maybe someone um, uh, re reclaimed in your life and came back in your life. Maybe it, it, it forced you to make a decision for your life that was a, a game changer for you. And because of that, God had blessed you in the midst of that. Paul puts it this way. Paul says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to God's purpose for them. So God can always bring something good out of something bad. That's the first thing we need to know. Here's the second thing today. God's goodness and mercy is working all around me. God's goodness and mercy is working all around me. What does that mean? God's goodness is grace. It means that God gives me what I don't deserve. We don't deserve the love of God. We don't deserve the forgiveness of God. We don't deserve the grace of God. But because God loves us, God gives us what we don't deserve. That's goodness. Mercy is that God doesn't give us what we do deserve. You know, I deserve to pay for my bad choices, but God doesn't give it to me in a way that, that it, it, it criticizes me in that. that. So God's grace comes into all that. So, so grace is God gives me what I don't deserve, and mercy is when God doesn't give me what I do deserve. But every way, I recognize that throughout life, I miss the mark. You miss the mark. We make the choices that come in our life. And this means that when we look at the future and we're fearful of these things, we can look at it with confidence, though. We can look at it with confidence, even though we know we're sinful, and we know because God's provision will provide its care for us. You see, when we, when we talk about the scriptures and when we talk about God's points in his life within us, we recognize that, that many of us fear the future because we know that we're sinners and we're afraid of what the future holds. Some people are even fearful of judgment day. And what I can say to you is, is, as a Christian, as a believer, if you have accepted Christ into your life, if you will strive to, to uh, be holy as God is holy, not perfect because only God can be perfect, but if you yearn to be holy as God is holy, if you love Jesus and you understand him to be your savior, you have nothing to fear on judgment day because Christ died for you while you were yet a sinner. And Jesus has made that whole. You see, there, there's lots of areas in our life that, that we look at. And, and I love what the, what the psalmist says here. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that God has done for me. God forgives all my sins and God heals my diseases. God redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with what? With good things. My Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. And the Lord is compassionate and merciful. L listen to this. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. Listen, you know, have you ever held a grudge? I've held grudges. I, I, don't, I don't like the fact that I've done that. I'm just being real. I've held grudges. I'm sure you have too. And the difference between God and us is, is that we want to hold on to those grudges. And even in the future, we're not willing to let those grudges go. We want to make that person pay. 
And we're not going to be happy until they get the punishment that we think they deserve. But can you imagine how God deals with us? That the psalm is telling us that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry. He won't accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. And I love this. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. How far is this, the east from the west? It's immeasurable. One translation says that God has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. So we see this, this decency about not fearing the future because of our sin, that, that God offers forgiveness. You see, if, 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 you, if we just live into any of this today, here, here's the one thought I hope we get. To fear the future less, we should stay grateful and generous because God has been both to us. How do we fear less the future? Be grateful and be generous. You see, we, we fear the future because we, we, we have ego, edging God out. We fear the future because we, we are just concerned about us. We're self-consumed, we're self-absorbed. I fear the future because I'm not, I don't want something to be bad to me. I don't want that to come upon me. And, and what we learn through the scriptures is that, that the moment we can take the onus off of ourselves and put the onus on others, that we fear the future less. In fact, what, what I found is, is that when we become generous, when we become gracious, we can fear the future less. Why? Because I'm less about thinking about what I'm ready to lose, and I'm more about what others will gain. And I think that's a significant piece that we need to, to look at for here. So the way that you fear the future less is stop thinking about you and start thinking about others. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gives us kind of like the, the playbook on this. Uh, Jesus throws out these words that are, that are so apropos. And he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. You've been treated generously, so you need to live generously. A lot of us fear, fear the future because we forget that God created us to live a generous life. We fear the future because of we measure what we're going to lose or what we're not going to get, but God created us to be generous people. He created us to live a generous life, so if we focus on being generous to others, that changes our perspective and we can see the future differently. Scientific studies did you know that scientific studies have proven that if you're generous, you're less anxious about your future? Did you know that it said that if you're a generous person, you're not as fearful about what's coming down in your life than somebody who's less generous? Generosity is the antidote to fear. Psalm 112 says, good comes to those who lend generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and they are fearless. There it is. When we become generous, we become fearless. I gave some thought about how I wanted to just wrap up this five weeks. We've talked about how to 
how to deal with all these fears that we've had. And, and the whole play on this is, is how can we fear less? How can we fear less about the things that are challenges, the things that we worry about? And I thought about that the way that I really wanted to button this up was for us to take a challenge. I want you to commit along with me, those of you that are joining us via live stream, whether you are in the worship space or whether you're joining us virtually, I want you to make a commitment today. And here's the commitment I want you to make. For the next 30 days, it's gonna be hard, but for the next 30 days, here's what I want you to do. I want you to not have any fear for your future. For the next 30 days, I want you to not have any fear for your future. For the next 30 days, when a negative thought comes in your mind, when something comes in your mind that trips you up and you start worrying and you start fearing your future, I want you to just pluck that thought out of your mind and I want you to just send it away. Listen, I, I have those voices, don't, don't baker at me, but I have, I have those voices in my head too, okay? And I have those voices that constantly challenge me that, that say that I'm not good and that, that um, I'm, I'm an idiot or, or I, I don't have any gifts or, or why do I do this or do that. I have those same voices that talk to me. And those are those same voices that cause me at times to fear my future. But you know what? Together, we're going to let that go. We're not going to fear the future for 30 days. We're not going to let those negative thoughts come into our minds. Here's what we're going to do. Every morning when you wake up, I want you to have a piece of paper and a pen by wherever you sleep, whether it's a bed table or wherever. I want you to have a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil right there. And I want you, instead of thinking those negative thoughts, instead of thinking about being fearful over the next 30 days, I want you instead to jot down the blessings that you have received from God. I want you to make a note of the ways that God has blessed you or how God is blessing you. I don't want you to make it all tangible, like physical stuff, like I have a nice car, or I have a nice house. Those are important, and yeah, you can thank God for those things, but I want you to inter interject the spiritual into this. How has God been blessing you so that spiritually you know that you're under the favor of God? Here's what I'm convinced of, that we can wrap up this series on fear less if we'll just take this step. I know it's a lot to ask, but I wanna encourage you to do it. What are you gonna do? You're gonna stop fearing the future for 30 days. Whatever it is, I'm not gonna be afraid. You're gonna start plucking from your mind those thoughts that come into your head that trip you up, that try to tell you you can't or that you're not or all those things that are there or afraid and those things. You're gonna pluck those out. And every morning you're gonna write down two to three at least two to three ways in which God has blessed you or is blessing you. You see, I think that, that we beat this whole fear thing doing just that, that we trust God. Paul said, God did not give us a spirit of timidity. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of strength. And with God on our side, nothing can be against.